0: Welcome back to The Basement, boys and girls. You are now tuned into the finest podcast ever made in a basement in Washington, D.C. that is powered by cats and beer. I'm talking about Chunky Less of the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And this is our Radio Sexy Voice, which we're going to be trying out a little more for 2016, but I think I'm going to abandon it right now. It's really not good at it. It gets a little awkward. Um, welcome back, everyone. Uh, new listeners... You're in for a good one, old listeners. You already know what you're in for. Uh, this week, we actually do have a really great one. Um, the, the old adage, a friend of a friend and whatnot. And we're we're friends with PJ Sykes. You've heard a lot uh, about on this podcast. Uh, he was actually on the podcast talking about his band, his photography career, Hoax Hunters. Uh, and he shot some uh, nice stuff down at Hopscotch for us. Uh, so he lives in Richmond, Virginia, which is, a, as you know, is a hotbed of musical activity. And one of the best bands coming out from Richmond, Virginia, is a band by the name of Positive No. Uh, that band, the core of that band is uh, is when Tracy Wilson and Kenneth Close. Uh, they are in fact a couple, uh, but and Tracy has been in the music industry for since the early '90s, uh, making music and, and doing stuff in various incarnations. Um, they have a uh, new album out called Glossa. Came out a little while ago. Uh, It's a fantastic album. Uh, They actually put out a book with it. They made a video that even premiered on NPR, if you want to believe that. Uh, And so we were talking back and forth since we both knew PJ and said, Hey, uh, why don't you you come up and be on the podcast? We'll see if we can work that out. Finally did. They drove all the way from Richmond, by God, Virginia, on essentially one of the shittiest days. It was rainy, uh, but they made it uh, and ended up... uh, I'm really glad they did because it's been a wonderful... Afternoon, uh, talking with these guys about the the art they create, getting to know them, uh, drinking a few choice beverages, uh, is it was, it was really a fantastic thing. That uh, I learned a lot about their band, uh, about their history and whatnot. And I think you're going to too. Before we get to that, um, I do want to mention something that we're going to be talking about a lot more on this podcast. Uh, about half an hour before I started taping this, uh, news came down the wire. Uh, that RDO, our beloved RDO, uh, is going to be filing for bankruptcy. And Pandora decided that they were going to uh, buy it up. i a little choked up about that. And, uh, it means RDO's going away, folks. Uh, it means the streaming wars have truly begun in earnest. They are oh, maybe not the first casualty, but they're the one that hit closest to my heart. Uh, if you need to know why we like the short version, of why we love them is uh, the user interface was fantastic, the catalog was amazing, they were all around general good people, and they weren't fucking Spotify. Uh, who honestly, uh, I do design work sometimes, and uh, it's just an ugly interface nasty ads everywhere. And uh, yeah, so now they're gonna be gone, but we're gonna be talking more about that in the, in the weeks to come before we finish up this year, so I am sure. So, pour a little out for RDO uh, as you get ready for episode number 142 of Chunky License Podcast. We're sitting down with Tracy Wilson and Kenneth Close, otherwise known as Positive No. Okay.
1: It happens here,
2: and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. two word of view, just a like shit sandwich.
0: I will roll the record up and go into some action. That right there is a, a lot of, of a thousand. Thousand. Sure. Let's go for it, Tracy. Kenny, is it Kenny or Kenneth? Kenny, Kenneth, Kenneth. Remember? Both
3: are acceptable.
0: Uh, first of all, thank you guys for driving up from Richmond, by God, Virginia. Uh, <laughs> this this really crappy, rainy day. Uh, you guys are make up the half of or all of positive no.
4: We are positive no. You
3: are positive. Yeah, we are no. the the lineup uh, is a little like
4: shifting, it is constant rotation. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, it's always a revolving door, I guess. Last yeah. time you were
0: up here, uh, I was able to catch a little of your set. It was it was sort of amazing. Like I hadn't seen you guys, and when we, we've talked to a bunch of Richmond artists on this podcast, and uh, almost all of them have said, "Like, have you?" You know, positive? No. <laughs> you know this oh, so yeah.
1: Nice. It, it is.
0: It's sort. It's sort of. It's sort of neat. I was like, no, and then I did. I was like, oh. And then all of a sudden, you guys have this new album out, and then all of a sudden, you have a, a video that's it, <laughs> premiering on NPR that has PJ in it. Like, what did you do to poor PJ? <laughs> um, uh, so let us uh, I guess let's start with uh, where this all starts, the band Positive No. You guys uh, have both been in music for quite a while, correct?
4: Yes. Kenny, you want to go first?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, on the formation of the band, I guess, well, maybe... You can start with the band. You can start with like your formation
0: as a musician. You can start with just birth, whatever you want to (laughs) do.
3: Gotcha. Okay. Um, I feel like my like story is not unlike most kids who um, got into independent music um, throughout the nineties. I was a huge skateboarder and all the subculture around that, the, the ads in the magazines yeah. and the videos were like the catalyst to to the jump start to all of this. But I grew up in Danville, Virginia, which, you know, you're from Lynchburg, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it, uh, no offense. It's the only town we make fun of. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well it's funny. Lynchburg was like a big city to It I was, was like, a
0: big city. No, well, Roanoke made like fun of Jersey us. Of yeah, it's funny, like <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's true. Really. Yeah, it totally is. But you know what? Like <laughs> i mean it's like total armpit but at the same time in 1992 1993 there was this pizza place that booked shows and a guy i grew up skating with um played in a band and he just booked bands he'd like to see and so um he archers of love played there yeah. like pretty early on and that was like the switch it was like this is I want to be in a band, like, I want to... Wait, so you're, you're claiming that somebody played Danville. Exactly. Crazy, right? That, I the mean, the that, pizza that place was kind of a big deal. Legitimately actually Danville. blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. But... yeah, there was, like... I mean, that was, like, a moderate touring destination for, like, that, like, below-grade band who, like... The guy really liked Amrep stuff. So there were all these really aggressive, yeah. like... Uh touch and go like sort of third rate versions of bands playing right. there,
4: but it was close enough to North Carolina right right that no, you had that it, if, you're, if you're
3: if you're down in like the Raleigh area and stuff, you just pop up to Danville and it's like done, yeah, so i I imagine like any band would it's kind of like somebody's telling you they had a good show at this pizza place because 40 kids showed up they bought everything because where else were you gonna find it like, right it was a pretty cool little scene for a while and that continued on in some form or another until I graduated mm-hmm. um, and moved away so that was I played in bands back then and um, I went to college at JMU in Harrisonburg and nice. it was like a radio DJ there throughout the entire time it was music director and still played music a little bit um, but nothing of, nothing of really note for me. I don't know. I <laughs> I was never in the type of band I wanted to be in until what we're doing right now. Really? And so, yeah. I, I always wanted to be in a band with uh, a female vocalist. And that was just not exactly an easy thing to find back then. Right. Who wanted to play kind of kooky, like, uh, moderately aggressive, but just weirdo music. I don't know. I mean, Tracy can certainly jump in at this point and probably um, share her tales of growing up in music. But there just weren't a lot of women in music in the '90s playing in bands, anyway.
0: Right, right. No. It, well, I mean, there were a few, uh, but the, yeah. the, because, but it was, it, and and we'll get into this later. It 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 was a very uh, narrow sound of what was out there. Um, uh, at least in the at least in the public like what you saw on mtv and stuff
4: for sure i think as a person who grew up working at a record store in the late 80s i was aware of a wide variety of women making music mm-hmm. but it wasn't in my backyard so right. those records were out there for sure but as far as who in your community you could turn to to oh, show uh, you yeah. the way and actually hand you a guitar or even have access to a microphone and and give you the ability to hear what your voice sounded like. There, there weren't a lot of those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was cool uh, uh, to know uh, it existed on a bigger scale. Sure. From you know the more Lilith Fair kind of stuff to the Riot Girl world and mm-hmm. everything in between. But it was definitely well, not. And, and that's actually in what my I meant by
0: directly. by narrow. Is that is that it was like on a larger state, they were presenting stuff out there, but on a local level, clearly not. Like that wasn't happening. So so where are you coming from here, with this?
4: It was a fall day in 1971. Um, I grew up in northern New Jersey, about 30 minutes outside of New York City. And uh, I started very early on collecting records and becoming really obsessed with music in general. Like most people, starts with Top 40 Radio. Mm. Then as I was stumbling across accidentally on radio... And through this one local record store, Crazy Eddie's in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, the guys who worked there would write on a bag bands I should check out. And so I went from the Go-Go's and Pat Benatar, Laura Brannigan, like that kind of <laughs> top 40, <laughs> to understanding. The, the
0: underrated
4: Laura <laughs> Brannigan. <laughs> you know. right. And then suddenly I knew about Susie and the Banshees right. and Depeche Mode, Dismissed, Cure, New Order, and I had an allowance, and my mom would drive me to the record store, and I'd buy one record a week. So I I understood that there was a world of other kind of music. And I didn't yeah. quite understand that that made you a different kind of person. Like, top 40 people were sort of the normal people, and the weirdo kids liked this other genre. Like It was just those dots weren't connected for me yet. But I knew I wasn't – it really appealed to me, the darkness of bands like The Smiths. Absolutely. And so I I think somewhere around maybe sixth grade, I started to pull away from wanting to be the prep school normal kid and understanding the sort of like, okay, with weirder music, there's also a fashion that goes with it. And then you're naturally sort of separating yourself from the group. Uh So I went to a a school with not very many kids. There's only 30 kids in each grade. So, and you know, when you have 28 to 30 kids and suddenly you don't really look like any of them and you're wearing black, and you know, it's some, um, it, this is like the height of John Hughes films. Yeah, like,
0: yeah I was, I was gonna say yeah, the this ducky, because we're the same age. <laughs> so, I, I know I am, I am. Uh, the one thing I will say about that though, too, though, is is uh, the top 40, the delineation between top 40 and obviously the Smiths were at the mid, late, end of the 80s, and is that. There was a weird, uh, a bunch of weird stuff going on in the '80s that th- the line wasn't so clear. Like, what was on top forty was stuff like Prince, yeah, like which now forget it.
3: Or like, what's oh, funny? Love and Rockets was Love like and a really yeah. like popular band back then. Yeah. Like, it, did you imagine like you know, you, be, Jane's
4: like, Addiction out of yeah. the Addiction, gate? Like, and, yeah, they were pretty. And these were, you know, now I guess people would probably make fun of. You have to start somewhere. So by high school, things like Jane's Addiction and the Red Chili Peppers. And once I started working at a record store in oh, the, the late 80s, uh, discovering Grunge and yeah. all the early sub-pop releases. And I think like that sort of pathway is formed one record at a time. Mm-hmm. And if I had, was handed a Mudhoney record when I was 14, I wouldn't get it. But by the time that was coming out, it made perfect and It was really exciting to me. Yeah. So um, I, I had a pretty decent record collection by senior year in high school. And at this point, I had been in some musicals and chorus, and I, I didn't have any urge to play guitar or anything. It just, I knew I really liked singing a lot. Mm-hmm. And my first live-in boyfriend, pretty much the day I graduated from high school, I moved to Hoboken, New Jersey. Nice which is where Maxwell's, this wonderful venue is. Yeah. Is it
0: and still there? Or did was it was. Just recently n- closed.
3: It's, uh, still, it's there, still there. It's still there,
4: but I don't think they're really booking the same there. world of bands it's anymore. It's not the same.
3: Like, the main booking guy's gone, so it's like, the cool factor to it is just like, it's completely vanished. Right.
4: And there was a phenomenal record store called Pure Platters, and, uh... My first live-in boyfriend played guitar and was in bands, and he was the one who handed me a guitar and showed me the basics to chords. And I was still working at this record store in New Jersey called mm-hmm. Flipside in Pompton Lakes. And a lot of that customer base were super supportive as well. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the customers there was a guy named John Procopio, and his band member, they were in a band called Dune Buggy, was Keith Runa. Dune
0: Buggy or Dune? Dune, Dune Buggy. Uh. Doom, doom buggy, so is something
4: yeah. else, but uh Doom buggy, however, is a pretty great name. Yes, I wanna I know, now right? redo Freebie. all of the Doom buggy songs <laughs> as doom metal songs yeah. um they almost were like it was like a dare, like well, we wanna do a seven inch, you should if you're learning how to play guitar, I dare you to figure it out and and let's do a split single, yeah, and I think uh, I don't know if they'd done anything on spin art yet. they ended up on spin art shortly thereafter. And so, uh, yeah, I formed a f- sort of home recording project with the guys from Doom Buggy and my boyfriend at the time, Phil, and did this really, I mean, it was more, gosh, how would you describe Shiloh? That was the very first single I ever recorded. It's kind of
3: like Babies. A like, little. Okay. Well, That's kind of what it reminds me of.
4: And I definitely, I don't think I had discovered the Spinains quite yet, but I liked PJ Harvey and the Pixies and the Breeders. Um, but I mean, it's I'd literally maybe been playing guitar for six months by the right. time I recorded this record. So it's very basic, and I recorded it in a, a studio at, I think, Ramapo College, if I remember correctly. And everybody was so patient and helpful. I, I mean, it just it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have friends kind of pushing me along saying, no, you love music and you love singing and you can play guitar, so let's make it happen. Yeah. So uh, at this point, that would be like 90, 91. And uh, that project at the time was called Broken Mouth. Okay. I think it came from maybe a line in a Kerouac book.
0: Can you uh, still find any of this?
4: Yeah. There's still, a, it's not very collectible or anything. It was a Doom is buggy it, is it on the Broken Spotify's? Mouth split. Perhaps? Uh, I don't actually think it is. I maybe I posted it on my it might be on like a sound it. SoundCloud.
2: If sort. of it was yeah.
0: owned by somebody, I think it wouldn't like unless you put it up there.
4: I think I've posted it on okay. one of our. Yeah, I think it's on a my maybe sound my record cloud label little page black cloud page. Cloud page, like. Um. So it's a very young me figuring things out, and from broken mouth that sort of spiraled into helping out Doombuggy doing some backup vocals. I didn't do any writing. I guess I did play a little bit of guitar. I don't know if I ever ended up playing shows. I think it was just for recording. And then uh my very first band was Dahlia Seed. Okay. Like my my real first yeah, yeah, band yeah. where we were playing shows and touring and um that was I guess started in ninety one. And again we're sort of I saw an ad working at the record store in a newspaper <laughs> and it listed Black Sabbath and Nancy Sinatra.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: I can't remember. If it was like somebody from Sub Pop, like maybe Mud Honey or the Fluid, like not Nirvana yet. It was definitely like lower tier, or lesser known right. Sub Pop bands. But I was like, "What? These people like all this weird, <laughs> like me. heavy and kitschy." Even if I have no idea how to be in a band, which I didn't quite yet know, I I want to know who these people are. There, you know, you could look at the digits of the phone the phone number and know it was somewhere in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have to know who these people are. So even if it doesn't work out, at least I get to discover who people with similar taste in music have. Yeah. And you know, when you're a senior in high school, and still punk rock isn't that big, so your friendship circle is quite small. Uh-huh. It's pretty lonely. So it turned out that these guys were a little bit older than me, and maybe could buy beer when I couldn't. And yeah. I had- Always an answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> more importantly, had impeccable taste in music. So- we spent before Delia Seed even started a lot of times hanging out in parking lots or the mm-hmm. woods of um, the border between New Jersey and like northern New Jersey and New York, um, Nyack area. Um, there would be just a lot of beer drinking and mixtape listening, and it was the best. You know, everybody in That's, that circle had something different. Yeah,
0: it sounds like the absolute. It was the best education
4: you could have ever. Asked which I
0: know for. you missed this in Danville, but that's sort of what Lynchburg was. <laughs> you like. know
4: what though? <laughs> no, that, that
0: is that is that is how I think uh, all of us who love music sort of grow up with it and into it. Is that you're sitting around and somebody is just like, and it could be, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, you have have to have older siblings and stuff. No, you just have to have. I remember my friend uh, Dre. Like I hadn't heard Jane's Addiction. This was by his sophomore year of college. I'm not college of high school and I and I just started being in front of this guy. He he did not look like anybody in the school. Uh-huh. And I was just like, yeah, this but this guy's cool. I worked with him. He's a fucking solid dude. And you know, I, I played violin. I was in the orchestra. And I was just like, go hang in his house, uh, steal a bunch of his parents' liquor, and all of a sudden he's dropping fucking Jane's addiction. And I'm like, What the flying fuck is this? Yeah.
4: It's like having a sponsor. <laughs>
0: and that yeah, and then that mixes <laughs> but that mixes in with my like Obviously you got your Beatles. Uh I don't know about you guys, I'm a huge crowded house fan. Uh because Neil Finn's a fucking fantastic songwriter. Um and it, it mixes all into to to by the time I think you eject and start getting into that you're on your own a little bit, you all of a sudden have a, a decent vocabulary for being cool, even
3: if you're not.
4: I definitely was not. <laughs> I don't even know
3: what you would have I was just a big snobber pants like well <laughs> but that
4: had to have come from somewhere didn't
3: it's a side like, of it, somebody though.
4: in the, the skateboarding community is that who is uh, who your sponsor my up sponsor
3: um so it's funny it, we're like making fun of this like tiny little town i grew up in but my first like bandmates from back then like are like just learning how to play it's a guy named ryan sweeney who had like four older brothers mm-hmm. so and each of them had a different, like, specialty. So there was, like, the hippie older brother. The metal <laughs> older brother. So, like, by the time, like, yeah. Yes. He had kind of heard it all. Like, it's funny. They joke. They would put, apparently, like, Iron Maiden cassettes in his Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> so his Teddy spin doll would be, like, sh- spitting out, like, killers. Um, <laughs> but he played drums. He was the first drummer I ever played with. and. Yeah. He's still playing music. He's in a band called Cheap Time that has toured with like Social Distortion right. and uh, Mud Honey and some pretty like
4: plays Goner. Fa- I mean, yeah,
3: no, awesome dude. Yeah. Still, that's his life. And another guy, Brian Markham, um, he's in a bunch of different stuff right now. Too. um two bands that are on Thrill Jockey, Dama Gang, and I think Holy Sons. Mm-hmm. But those were like we all kind of had different things we liked, but it was the same behaviors where you're like we're gonna get your brothers to buy us beer we're gonna have like two of them and just listen to cassettes of our records or whatever of like anything we can find that's not the utter garbage we think is on the radio right now and mind you I'm a touch younger so like alternative music was like frighteningly fashionable at this point so like bands like nirvana and pearl jam are like and that's very should, radio that friendly came up fast like it was um
0: and i'm assuming just from listening to you guys that you uh enjoy some smashing pumpkins uh i
4: and think sadie probably <laughs> yeah uh, sadie who played but, bass with us on
0: this, <laughs> but, like, but for run. me so like that was actually uh gish was the album we heard i went to virginia tech so this is mm-hmm. You know, not a metropolitan uh, thing, but it's still a college and yeah, cool record stores not, back not, then. Not probably uncoincident- well, the record exchange was amazing, yeah. but not uncoincidentally, One of the only universities with internet in nineteen ninety. Oh yes.
3: God! That's so awesome. we had
0: email, and we had all the, and you could send an MP three. What? Um, and but um, but my point is, we heard Gish, and that was like amazing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes Nirvana blowing up everything and as a result to this day like and i'll try to connect this actually uh like siamese dream is like my least favorite album of all time because <laughs> no be, because sort of what you're talking about is like there was a uh you know you know especially when you're growing up there's uh you define yourself by certain things and if you're a music person you define yourself by by the music you listen to uh that's important sometimes that persist way into adulthood and then it gets a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, all of a sudden, all these people where we were defining ourselves like, Tagish was the shit and it's amazing and never mind, great fucking album. But, Siamese Dream comes out and all of a sudden, it's like, fret, Fret boy Bob, yeah, you like, like I love fucking symmetry. Tree. Like, I love smashing and pumpkins and you're like, like
3: ah. and that ah. trickle
4: down happens so fast. And then you, divor- it, it, it you was, divorce, it, was it instant.
3: Yeah. Pavement
4: super chunk. There are all kinds of people at shows suddenly that you're like, I, you beat me up in high school. Why are you standing next to me right right now at this? Irving Plaza show and yeah,
3: Green Day was the one that just seemed to like yeah yeah utterly <laughs> like and, and
4: that was at the that was at the end of college that yeah. would have been
3: like your like yeah, I was in high school then yeah but like same deal like Green
0: Day blew it open I remember everybody like listening and I was like what the fuck is even going on here I mean I enjoy parts of Dookie and parts yeah, like right. they're, they're great <laughs> fucking pop songs
3: yeah but <laughs> I think just like it's like anything any band that i feel like when you're like a huge music fan and like a big record collector i feel like you kind of divorce bands Mm. when you don't feel like they need fans any any more fans (laughs) or something it's we were talking to this it's funny like well just described this entire podcast at least (laughs) me on this yeah well when we recorded glossa with um jay robbins yeah amazing singer songwriter Mm -hmm. and a variety of bands most notably, Jawbox. <laughs> yeah, um, but we're the Sleater Kinney record had just come out when we were recording the record, the new one. Yeah, the new yeah. one. And production-wise, there were some things that like weren't too like pleasing to me and Tracy's ears. And we were talking about that on the way up, and we we're listening to it. And I had asked him if he had heard it. He's like, "Yeah, I just don't feel like they need any more fans. So I'm not going to listen to it." I was like, "You bring up a good like point. Like, there's certain. It's like." you've got a Wilco poster up. Like, yeah, I, I followed them for a long time. And then it just became like every like normal dude you would see. Like, well, and they also made, to be clear, they made two really shit albums. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, we surprisingly, I mean, we we're talking about because we're planning our uh, best of the year podcast. And like, I don't think it's going to end up in mine. but uh, the star Wars just came out was actually a weirdly at points, vital record for them. and, People get lost, I think, sometimes. But to your point about yeah. like, about bands not needed anymore, yeah. And and so, so you guys being in, you know, bands for a while now, and then you're in your own band, do you think um, part of that could be just the band itself? Because, like, me, for example, I'm not a Sleater Kitty fan at all. Daria, who's walking around upstairs, huge Sleater Kidney fan. Um, I, I absolutely respect. The shit out of what they did. It just never hit with me because there was this weird hole in my listening where, when that was coming up, I just wasn't around it. Yeah.
4: It sucks that you say "hole" and I'm instantly just picturing Courtney Love. Yeah, yeah, as like a yeah. roadblock in your life.
0: Well, "hole" was there. That's the thing. It, Southwest Virginia. Thank I you hope very much. you actually
3: weren't <laughs> listening to "hole" instead of Sleater-Kinney. But if you were, that's okay too.
0: I, yeah, I uh, wasn't listening to that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh,
4: I was the first "hole" uh, record. The first "hole" record such is a big fantastic. Deal to me. Yeah. But
0: is is a lot of yes, a lot of REM. I, I went in about a ten-year
3: deep dive in REM, uh, and but. Uh, I think that's something you do though you it's like discover a lot of things Uh at just as fast as you can gobble them up Then I think your ears kind of tire out and then you go back and kind of do do a little history lesson yeah and I, I don't know that's what I did anyway by the time I was a radio DJ after like the first year or two of just like gobbling up like guitar rock had just kind of finally hit the wall and it turned into all electronic music and yeah, just yeah. research. So I need to listen to every Kinks record now, or I need to go back and listen to every Beatles record. And right. like then you discover how great all of these things were and how they did shape all of these bands that you grew up discovering. Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. But uh, back back to the Sleater-Kinney point that yes. I was trying to make. Uh, not, I mean, <laughs> that that's, that's sounded yeah. bitchy. It wasn't. Um. Uh. Back to that, though. It was like, Do you think sometimes bands are just like, well, Now we have to, to put out an album because, I mean, you guys are in a band. A band wants to make art. Hopefully, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, money. That, that's that got to be in there. And any band that says that they don't want to do
3: that second thing, they are lying. Well, totally, especially if you are surviving off of that Absolutely. art. There are unfortunately some some things that are needed to happen to... Um, Follow the general rules of economics, and <laughs> right. one of them is also, producing new media.
4: We right. don't believe in Kickstarter, so oh, oh really? No, and that's probably could be an entire oh, podcast. No. Well, when also, we piss off, off everyone. Yeah, this is uh, why because, it,
0: because this is getting into uh, something. I just came back from the uh, Future Music Coalition. Oh, cool. Uh, Policy summit, which honestly, if you guys want to go next year, they do musician scholarships. It's twenty five bucks, uh, and I'll say right here, we'll front it. Like society, will front it. It's fucking amazing i would love it it, it'll blow your mind um but uh talking about that and and actually merrill garbus was out talking about uh some fundraising stuff some crowdsourcing stuff and uh benji from pledge music is actually on the board for that so to to kickstarter's point what about that if you guys uh, because your package for this album Glossa. Uh, which we will get to, I promise. <laughs> um, Package for this album, uh, it was it was an album. Uh, you made you've made two videos at this point, and more, most importantly, a book. Mm-hmm. So that you're putting that together, that's resources, and that has to be. So, what about the Kickstarter model is not appealing here?
3: I think what is not appealing to us is budgeting to record like a uh, an established band who actually could probably use the time in the studio wisely mm. would have so e- what you're getting is somebody who's never made an album before who's trying to book like 15 studio days with like albini and <laughs> like getting it mastered at god knows where and all of a yeah. sudden it's like they decide they need $15,000 to make a record and put it and on vinyl. And there's a hotel budget attached yeah. to that.
4: And a f- I mean, every every band is done it differently and some do it tastefully, some not so much. Uh, some actually do record a record and have the thing come out and you get the album as a thank you as part of your your pledge back or whatever. Which but, is
3: honestly just basically a pre-order. Yeah. Which is yeah. Sort yes. of. So I think where the, the frustration is... Is if you have a super modest budget and it's basically a pre-order, yeah. it doesn't bug me as much. So it's like, okay, you have you have done the appropriate homework to like make this mm-hmm. an affordable like project. Um, when it turns into just like somebody living their dream off somebody's parents' funding, because let's be real, like, I, yeah, no. I just don't see uh, it. I don't see a lot of the smaller bands who get funded these projects actually having like a 1,500 fans who are like dedicating to this. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that's our
0: issue. So your problem isn't so much with the model and like people supporting it that way. It's it's with how people are using it.
4: Correct. And I think part of it, uh, the artist ego is is a a complex layered beast (laughs) and –
0: uh, that, that is putting it mildly, Tracy. I've, I've
4: been there. I understand yeah. the drive to want to have a, a piece of vinyl to go with your release. You've put hard work into it. Everybody feels like what they have to say and put out into the world is special. But in the end, it's it's my dream or it's our dream. Mm-hmm. It's it's not something that's saving lives. This isn't something that's going to allow somebody who's missing a leg to be able to walk or, right. or uh, build an arm to help them. Get around daily tasks. It's it almost seems like a, a selfish thing when you're making art and expect other people to help make that dream happen.
0: That's, that's actually uh, my, my takeaway from uh, Future Music I haven't I, I talked about this, and I guess now I will. Is and it's a frustration with the industry as well, uh, and it goes for DIY because DIY has the same bullshit in it as does the, the mega people. You know, because like I've seen people who like they're like, "We need twenty five thousand dollars to make a live album," and it's because I need to fly here. They're, like, "No, like, do you not understand how we as people, human beings, just create shit? If you have your guitar, it, it doesn't matter. If you have this table, that like, you can do something, you can put it on Bandcamp and fuck it if." People are gonna buy it, they're gonna buy it. If oh, not, absolutely.
4: Not. Or you could do it the old fashioned way and just work hard for it. Yourself. Or just and that, and that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is is that a lot of the discussion I think going on right now is like how hard it is to be a musician, how hard it is to make it and whatnot revolves around people expecting uh the the fans, the community, everything to subsidize your art uh and not being willing to be accountable after that. Yes. And that is so yes fucked up. And that is why there's so many bad bands right now. Um, because really, like what you're looking at, if you're like, I, there was a panel where people were saying like, well, my my perfect time to write needs to be this, needs to be this, and it's hard. And it's like real jobs are hard. And if you want to be talking about being a musician – it's a real job, and that means that if you are, if this is all you want to do, and like the only thing you can do is go up to uh, pop bellies and play a three hour set, you're still being a paid musician, and I and I will argue all day long for like you should be paid a fair wage for that, but nobody is talking about what the fair wage should be. Nobody's like take it to streaming. Nobody's saying what what should I get be getting paid yeah. for streaming? If you know, if I mean, and no offense to you guys, like a positive no. It's like should you be getting paid as much as Oasis?
3: Well, for- absolutely. <laughs> like, but
0: but you know what I'm talking about. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: Um, oh, absolutely. No. Um, I and you're right. It's like do we? Oasis has, despite their. Um, I think crotchetiness, Um They generate has, revenue. They generate revenue and have worked much harder than our band. No, I, but, I, I will, you know, not, I will like, not.
0: I will not go with that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, think
3: every right. band's experience is actually like well, they've similar. toured the world and like I think they have. Um, like okay, we you know we operate under a model that
4: adults pe- with full time jobs, people who have full time right, so
3: jobs much. and mortgages and have a lot of responsibilities that right. can't be like put on hold to go tour and maybe break even anymore um so yeah i i do think there's probably a scale that could be put in place for that and maybe there already is and you know why would we know about that <laughs> well and, that, <laughs> and and that's the,
0: the question is yeah. if there already is if if like if if you are um say a local dc musician who's only putting out your album on cassette first of all you're dumb but but uh well actually but are you just on cassette
3: just on cassette let
0: me hear your argument (laughs) i
3: I argue for scale a lot oh okay and what i mean by that is when you're starting out trust me like i have a lot of weird feelings about cassette our album is out on cassette and like They are not selling very well because I think our general like fan base doesn't buy as many of them. But you know, younger kids shows. If we were
4: touring house shows and we're nineteen, they're cheap and people
3: seem to like them. Mm -hmm. And you can make fifty of them and not lose your shirt. So I do argue that it's or
0: or you can make a digital copy and not spend anything. Except the whatever the hosting fee for. There's still
4: like people a, love physical. There's still this yeah, weird yeah.
3: like. Uh, uh, even if you're not gonna listen to it, it's like oh, I bought this tape at a show. It's going to sit. I don't own a tape deck, but yeah, I bought the yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, trust me. Like there's this weird like I remember cassettes sounding just so bad. <laughs> like I,
0: uh, this is this is gonna be really. You guys might leave when I say this. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, my copy of Beverly Hills Cop. Two soundtrack oh yeah when the bob seeger song when the tape stretched and all of a sudden slowed down and for like a week straight i was like what the fuck is
3: wrong with my radio what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with my radio
0: and finally it was like oh it's a goddamn tape
3: i feel like we're actually gonna like cheers right now like <laughs> yeah. like respect yeah, totally yeah. Cop like yeah. why not
0: yeah
3: um you know but yeah, so
0: and I've, I've said this, uh, because it was a good quote uh, from uh, Franz Nikolai, who's also been on the podcast, like we were talking about cassettes, and, and he does them, and people do them." And he was like, "It's because people like, like to fetishize like, the stuff and like to get this in, But you guys are also record collectors. Yep, I am not. I am, I have some LPs, although whoever took my copy of uh, Double LP of Yes Songs, I think it might be Roadkill Go <laughs> Square, but somebody please return it because that is the one that I want to listen to. But uh, what, those, what do those physical things, like as an artist and then as a consumer, like necessarily mean to you? Like when you – if you get somebody's tape, like are you like, whoa, or are you in that zone anymore?
4: No, I think – For me, um, I'm in my 25th year in the music industry. I've worked in music, well, record stores, distribution, a record label. I've been in bands. So I've been on kind of all sides of it. And I think even from my youngest days, first, you know, before streaming, there was radio. So you would be hearing music for free. And then the things that really stuck in my head were the things I pursued and looked for in record stores. And I then spent my my allowance or whatever. Hard
3: earned money. My yeah. hard earned allowance <laughs> on
4: um on vinyl. And I I guess actually the very first music I purchased was the Go Go's on cassette because I had a cassette Walkman. But then I think that really by the time I was in seventh or eighth grade, I was collecting records. Right. Vinyl. And, and just continued to And that was yeah, and I've never looked back. So if I and when I worked in distribution and got hundreds of promos every week, right. literally every right. week, uh, CDs were like, it, uh, you know, gum at a, a drugstore to me. It just, it was like um, this little freebie item that entered my world, and I consumed it for a week. Well, not that you eat gum for a week, but you know what I mean. Good
0: everlasting gobstopper.
4: And then I, you know, I'd, I'd be on to the next thing. But anything that really resonated with me deeply. You didn't get vinyl copies very often, so I would right. purchase it on record. So for me, uh, streaming radio or digital is the first way I, I experience a record. And if it's meaningful enough, then I would buy it on vinyl. And if it was like, uh, it's not that big of a deal, I would maybe look for a used CD. Okay. How about you, Kenny? I,
3: do you guys still do CDs? Yeah, we did. We did CDs. And, and I should on.
0: clarify again, I'm coming from something I am in working in an industry where we produce lots of like paper and stuff. Yeah. I like, I am one hundred percent physical media is is like dead in my heart yeah. to me. Uh, but like I get something like Beauty Pills
3: thing on vinyl and I hear it, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but <laughs> so are you bad. somebody that might buy a T-shirt? Oh, absolutely. So there you go. I think there's something for everyone and. I don't feel like I mean it's been a while so I don't feel as if like what we're selling at shows like yeah people are definitely buying more CDs records whatever 10 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and beyond but I I still think that maybe there's something for everyone even if you're selling like things that have nothing like beer beer koozies whatever I, I don't know that that's our bag but
4: this year we've seen a ton of bands touring with posters.
0: Posters are good. Uh, yeah. beer actually Lydia Loveless had, had one of the, we've got one upstairs. Drink more, love less. Yeah. I, I, I
3: recall actually like some friends of mine actually were in this joke DC band called Rattler, like hair metal, ha ha, whatever. But Rat
0: Rat Is not a joke, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: but they're called no Rattler, the Rattler. Oh, okay. Um, But they had beer koozies and I want a beer koozie. Like, I don't care what it says on it. I just, so it was just one of those things. It was like, whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to do, it, it does fill the gas tank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how would you guys suggest like, uh, I guess a lot of what we're talking about right now is, is people like you and people in, in need. You need support. You need to be supported. You need to be making money for your art in certain ways. Like how? What is the best way? to Say, somebody like me comes to show, and I'm like fuck you, I don't want your vinyl, I don't want this. Uh, but you pay to get in.
3: Hopefully, is that is that is that enough? I, Sometimes it, it can be. Yeah, I think so. Here's maybe where. So
4: and where, screw the Fugazi five dollar door. It is not 1991 Whoa, anymore. So, <laughs> the ethos associated you, you, you to DIY got scene. Banned
0: in DC, though. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah.
4: It's like it's 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 not 1991 anymore. We we don't have to accept five dollars as a, the the right door price anymore.
0: Well, it's all it's also there's a uh, uh, especially in in that scene and in any, but uh, more in hardcore. Now, do you guys know like uh, Jason Steed? Think I don't.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, you
0: know Tink. Uh he's a really good friend of mine and, and and I love you, Tink, but I mean I'm gonna say this, like he is the he is the uh epitome of the, the hardcore person. There's a dogmaticism that is and, and Mackay has a st- – like that it's just like this, 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 and there's nothing outside of it, and it's like no no. And I and I know Tink is actually he's got a kid now and he's changed. He's got a great band now. Gray is a real
4: color. It's not just black and white. Right,
0: right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And and but and those ticket prices, I think, result from that. It's weird in DC right now. We have a joke, and you'll see me tweet something out. Like, for fuck's sake, can you just not talk about Fugazi for a week, DC media? Like, it's like the Uh, everybody's over it. (laughs) it, Everything happened. I don't think people are over it. I think it's like you can go back and discover their albums the same way you do the Beatles, the same way you do the Go Go's, if you want the same. You know, but but does it have to be our
4: yardstick for everything?
3: I think so. Well, not only that, it's not. (laughs) But had like had discord and the bands on it and had they not had the level of success they had that afforded them the right to be able to do that would that have still been the case maybe maybe not i don't know have you seen salad days yeah
0: okay uh i'll tell you what i thought and then you guys can tell me what you thought Uh, i thought it was weird that scott put himself in the movie first of all but i also (laughs) thought i thought that if you're from a writer's standpoint he a documentary has a thesis and, and the general thesis I got from that, and I could be off base, is that this is the only place that anything like this ever happened. And at the end of it, I felt like I was like, fuck, I gave you money for this because that is so damaging to the arts because this happens every, this, every single every fucking community. scene
3: in the world, this happens. I feel like I'm getting... Like, I'm now like, wait, did they have any? But American Hardcore was the movie I saw where they talk about all the various scenes around the country. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel particularly...
4: I felt like it it was dedicated to the DC scene. It was. I I, I didn't feel like it was saying that it was the only thing that existed. But for this particular filmmaker, it... It was. It was the most important thing to them. Okay. Which I respect. I mean, we all have the scene that we grew up in and and in turn it's very precious to us yeah yeah, yeah. and it just happens that this particular scene is romanticized all over the world is it though it is it's it's i i don't know crazy to meet people Uh, uh, from uh, italy germany spain france who can who know the words to rights of spring records but uh, don't necessarily know how to speak english it is a a big deal.
3: And Rites of Spring played like 12 shows. It yeah, was like it, a it was pretty low number. In context numbers. of, right. of right.
4: how long they were abandoned, how much material they put out, and how often they toured. It's mind-blowing that that still resonates and carries the weight that it does. Yeah. What a fluke. A remarkable fluke.
0: It, it is a remarkable fluke. How do, how do you guys get in on that? <laughs> what the fluke of well, how well, all well, they're let, doing? Let's say,
4: let's, look, let's say
0: 10 years from now, I'm, I'm going to come make a documentary about Richmond about what the fuck happened in Richmond after I left, because I've said this often, like y- y'all just weren't doing—not you guys—but it wasn't getting together, and all of a sudden, it's was like,
4: "What?" Yeah, it got yeah, together. Like
0: it, yeah, yeah.
4: Well, yeah. when you said in the beginning of the podcast that you've had a lot of Richmond people, and they've mentioned positive, no, yeah, I think we are very fortunate to be a part of a, a Richmond music boom, mm-hmm. and we could name. 30 50 bands that we love and are really excited to see um there just happens to be a a really supportive community right now
0: yeah okay. if, if, and if you send me a list of those bands in richmond uh, i will put them in the show notes okay. every single fucking one yeah no that would be I awesome mean, yeah, we, we
4: can have
3: certainly put together a list so of many
4: bands we love
3: people we want to champion and then and it's all genres too i'm just kidding <laughs> and then there's these people um Uh, Yeah, no, there's, well, there's definitely that moment where I lived in Richmond, then I lived in D.C., then I moved back, and the first time around, people were not at shows. Things weren't coming to town. It was just not a cool music scene at all, and not what I had remembered it being in the nineties when hardcore was king and avail was king and <laughs> avail
0: was king Ed, Ed drask was everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you now to be clear though, like, and I wasn't, I, I'm friends with Tink. And so like, I, I, I actually went to one of uh, my war shows and they just looked at me like, who, and even then was like, who's the old dude there. And like, people were having like issues with me being there. So yeah. it, it gets into the dogmaticism and stuff. But, uh, but Alley Cats was a weirdly, even though they weren't doing hardcore, they were a
3: weirdly like, vibrant venue. that Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They had some cool stuff. For sure.
4: For metal and hardcore and indie rock. Yeah. You could I see know. Super Chunk and Yolo Tango mm-hmm. yep. just as quickly as you could see Converge or Cave In or yeah. Yeah. Uh, At The Gates or, you know, bigger metal
0: bands. Dry, Drive-By Truckers sort of made their legend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. It's one of those things. Drive-By Truckers played um, Post Pub. Like really, like dumpy place, like on the edge of town. Yeah, I
0: I, I lived up, up up literally right up the hill. If you walk straight up, you'd hit my house. I,
3: I, a friend of mine really liked them, and I remember going to see them there with him. And I, I have to wonder, it's kind of like the Arcade Fire myth of like everybody who saw them at local five hundred six in Chapel Hill before they became like right. main stars. It's right. like you'll occasionally talk to people in town and like, well, I was I used to see them all the time at. These hole in the walls, like wear the old badge. Like. A friend with
0: a, uh, a guy named uh, uh, Craig Davis, and uh, so they, they did do that, and, and that was actually before Southern Rock Opera came out, because Dave Lowry brought them to D.C. for the Capitol Barn dances, mm-hmm. which were actually great events at weird venues. And like was it Fireballs? Like get, you guys remember Car Bomb Inc.
3: That was very familiar.
0: Yeah, it was a rockabilly thing. A guy dressed up like a giant chicken. But they really loved the fucking music scene. Yeah, and so they had this thing.
4: What year was this?
3: This was
0: this would have been in ninety six or ninety seven. Okay, so it
4: was before my time of living there.
0: Um, and um, but uh, so they they actually played Pose with probably what you're talking about the Southern Rock type yeah. thing. Passion Hood came back and played uh, a solo gig around Thanksgiving night before their first night at. Uh, 9.30 cook. And then from that point on They were like Huge We, yep. we distribute that Thing because uh, There were people in the room Shouting And there was maybe A hundred of us Or so And feeding him whiskey And feeding him all this and, so, <laughs> and it was just And it was the drunkest Best Like Ever Yeah And Honestly Now thinking about it Like I'm waiting for Something like that Not necessarily A band that gets big But to be repeated in D.C. Where I can go somewhere And see That Totally which is – I don't want to say it's – it is sort of magical about Richmond. Like it is the, it's the south
4: <laughs> sort of.
0: But it, it's, uh, it's small enough
3: that yep. – like,
4: We take our community very seriously.
3: Yeah. Big little city.
0: That's actually how I tell people. It's, it's a big little city. Yep. I mean
4: it's getting bigger every day, but – it's still funny because we're not quite used to having to look for parking or make <laughs> reservations <laughs> yeah, right? at it's a like, restaurant. Like wait, wait till you
0: sell your first half a million dollar condo. I, know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's All it's James. a Thursday,
4: and you want me to have a reservation at this restaurant? Yeah. Really? Oh, okay. The
3: old guard Ooh. is definitely at war <laughs> with the uh, the new guard. Like reservation, like, why would I do that? Because
0: we could start actually a whole, like, website, blog, like, what does Manny think of all this? (laughs) (laughs) And if you're in Richmond, you know what I'm talking about. We're Um, not going to explain it. (laughs)
4: There's there's no doubt that there is that frustration, but then this is why you can be a a medium-sized band playing on a Wednesday at Richmond, in Richmond, and actually have a full crowd. So... We're we can though. we can curse so, it at Gallery Five, Strange Matter, the Camel, um, all things
0: that didn't exist when I was there.
4: Yep, yeah, that, and that, well, that's Strange Matter was medium, Twisters, smaller, size or it was
3: yeah, whatever it could have Twisters been called. was at Big the time. on Goth Night, oh yeah, <laughs>
4: we still have. I mean, there's a a genre for everybody really there's a little scene happening in richmond for almost every genre i feel
3: like we took a big left turn about like ticket price and surviving yeah (laughs) um what's i haven't forgotten about that because i think we're like strong strong strong-willed of like how we've funded the band and why we don't agree with mm crowd funding for certain things and i think we have worked very hard on making sure we've been paid for what we're doing. And a lot of times that involves us taking the risk and booking the show and incurring the hard cost and making sure everybody gets venue space paid out at the night. end of the night. And part of that is done by. Promoting. Thoughtfully <laughs> curating and promoting like, okay, if we want to play a show in Richmond, who haven't we played with, or who
4: didn't play four days ago, exactly. and then uh, nine days before that? Who actually is being thoughtful about how often they play? So it's actually an event you're coming to. It's not just another Wednesday at your local hole in the wall.
3: Or who may be a band was from a great out of town, ball, by the way. Yeah, yeah. who <laughs> totally, yeah. But like we think about this, like okay, who do we like? Who might be able to drive down here and play this show with us? And Maybe we're giving them a little bit more money, but at the end of the day, people are enjoying the experience they had. So all of a sudden there's a bit of credibility to the shows we're playing and putting on, right? um, Which is why we've been able to, I think, fund certain things because yeah, everybody had to pay six or $7 instead of five heaven forbid, but the band who may have traveled has gotten their gas covered plus the the whatever the cut may be, and we're still walking out with a hundred plus dollars. Maybe we sold some things. So from there, when you start doing that once a month, or and traveling a little bit, uh, all of a sudden that starts to add up, and your recording costs are covered, or pressing your record is covered, or right. making your cassette or whatever. And but so we're
4: also reasonable people. We will sleep on a floor. We know right. that we can make a record in three to five days in a studio, and we can mix in maybe two days. So it, it's just being reasonable about where you're at. Like, well, I, and, Sure, my and, ego and, says I deserve this ridiculous thing, but it's like if if you're not able to tour the country, do you really need six different T-shirt designs and six different formats for your And do you really release? need to try
1: to
0: tour the country? So, so, exactly. So, so, for, so first, the first thing I want to clarify, so are you guys more – uh, concerned with the art you put out, or more making a living off this?
3: I mean, this is completely artistic satisfaction. Uh,
4: this is about, for whatever reason, having the the misfortune of being hardwired to have to create things. To do, the, yeah. And it's not always just music. We're both creative people. I, I really love writing. Kenny is a, a great graphic designer and artist. So. We're always doing 10 different things just to keep our, our minds excited. Yeah. Um, but I think we're also realistic and and know, like, okay, we, we aren't in a position where we have a band that is big enough that could warrant a six-week or a three-month tour anywhere. So setting the goals around that reasonability of, okay, so – Okay, we'll do a CD. We won't even press vinyl this time because we really didn't sell enough the first time around. We learned some good lessons with our first EP. So you you set those those goals around what you're capable of and what, in my mind, we not deserve – I'm not no, actua- I articulating this quite as well. Anyway, as Tracy,
0: you. these these sound like adult thoughts. Exactly. Which is, which is, this, is, yeah. this is this is this is very not rock
3: and roll. It's very not <laughs> so rock and roll. I, I'm going to have to right. yeah, ask you guys to we step away the from the mics. We're the most painfully rational human beings. It's moderately fugazi like thinking. <laughs> no, Let's it's based like this on um, <laughs> uh, the need. Well, like I said, it's all about scale and the need. And when we nigga fun who put out like the gloss and yeah. cds and cassettes Thanks, thank you was gonna do vinyl and we started talking through it and i think as like the pricing was coming in and we figured out how many copies we could do or like minimum pressing and what it was gonna cost and like what we would have gotten as a product for that money i don't know it was just kind of like yeah could we sell this amount i don't know Had we not done a book or cds maybe (laughs) we would have like hit the mark necessary to break even but like the version of the lp that was going to come out was not how i think a consumer uh, just the quality wasn't there when you're doing like these weird like covers that aren't full sleeves and like The quality of the vinyl is kind of whatever, and it's a mixed bag of colors. Uh, it just felt wrong and and a disservice to everyone.
0: Fuck colored vinyl. Yeah. Like like, whatever. Make it sound good or don't. Yeah, like like,
3: fuck off. What difference does it make? Um, I mean, occasionally I'm like, ooh, this green's cool, but I can't find the groove, so actually I hate this green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, that was the catalyst of the book though, was, okay, what can we do to make this? Man, you,
0: you uh, like Miss Siobhan and you, Marais, I don't know if you can
3: know those guys. You should,
0: because they're Whom? really, uh, Chris and Aaron. Who are Miss Siobhan and Unurai? They are uh, no, I don't
4: think we know.
0: Uh, country and yeah, I'll say this, Chris, because you'll get pissed off. Country
3: and Western. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like he, he just got mad and he, he didn't did know his why. Beard just like yeah, curl up. Like, why am I so uh, mad right now?
0: But yeah, that that is that is exactly the way uh, they sort of
4: think about things. But uh, but but yeah, let's talk about the book. Like, let's, so what? So some couples. Uh, go on vacation. And so it, we should probably explain the the backstory that uh, two members of Positive No being myself and Kenny are a couple. Mm-hmm. We've been together for almost seven years now. Our band has been active for f- almost four of those Something years. Something like that. So um, we, we make some hard decisions and we love making music together. It's like, well, we could go on a vacation this year, or we could take this money that we have earned as a band and combine that with the money we would take for a vacation of some sort. And let's let's record. And then l- let's make this special book because we've always talked about wanting to do an art project where it was my poems with graphic design. It's like, oh wait. Lyrics are kind of that. We we can finally do this and have an excuse to put this pet project out into the world. And rather than saying, hey, we have this thing as a couple that we'd really like to do, you should fund it for us. We we put on our, our big boy and girl pants on and we funded it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect anybody to buy Imagine into our dream. I, yeah, I and you know, it's fine that other people have the guts to ask other people to pay it forward, but I'm just excited that anybody wants to listen to our band in the first place or come see us play and if they're moved by what they see maybe buy something at our show but we we've invested i mean i have nothing to my name i have a record collection and i have the things that we've accomplished as a band that is where my money and my soul has been put towards right. <laughs> <laughs> yay and and hence a book was born.
3: Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I I designed which the book. is still more I, so affordable you talk than about vinyl. Resources, like I mean, it's all done like by us. So it's nobody sure. was being like paid to do these things. Videos were all trade for like design services. So yeah. it's a very fortunate position to be able to do those things because not every band has that. Um, n- nor does their household supplement for vacations or vacation days for touring well, yeah I we're you get, special I, think, I think
0: it gets back to the what well, you're talking about being hardwired to like doing this stuff like if you want to create you can't like uh I, I am remarkably like a failure at creating so i do this like you yeah. guys and 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 i will take this opportunity again to thank you guys for driving up like yeah we man. were talking about this and we were thank just like so much for we were talking us. with daria and it's like you know, there was like, well, it's weekend. We're doing this and like, but fuck, they want to drive up. Like, they're my people. Like, that, that is <laughs> like that. They uh, you guys like
1: this you, is our you, life.
0: Yeah. You live and breathe this stuff. Yep. And, and and that is so uh, important. Y- you sort of have to do that. I think you just should do that. Like, even if you're even if your life is doing that is like ham. Well, I think we're also,
4: we're not, I mean, yes, we're band people, but we're super music fans. Right. And I I think for me, that almost comes first. Like if I had to describe who I am, I would say fan before band member.
3: Yeah. I got all political on the internet yesterday and like talked Mm -hmm. about not calling myself a Good luck with that, bro. (laughs) Well, it was more about like not like, I don't, like the word musician is really weird to me because Mm. by people who like, You're actually an accountant who plays bars on every seventh Saturday. Right, right, right. right. You are a hobbyist of the guitar. To me, you are not a musician. Yeah, and that's but that's just how I feel. Like I think I see people who are super talented and just they're musical geniuses and they live and breathe it and whatnot. And I don't know. I don't. Personally, feel that way about myself. While some others may disagree with me or whatever, I, I mean, I feel the same way about artists. Like, I work in advertising. You know, I I hold you. Down you at the up. Martin Agency. Are you? I do work at the Martin Agency. No shit. And I know shit. I know. tell them,
0: tell them to go fuck themselves for not hiring me. A long <laughs> I will. Time. I'll, 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 tell
3: I'll, I'll <laughs> I know you will. not <laughs> I I didn't, I, might, I didn't get hired there either, so very,
4: that makes two uh, of us.
3: I have a very like complicated relationship with uh, with what I do from day to day. Um, just because uh, I think advertising's
0: I don't know <laughs> Advertising, advertising's a weird thing, and it's it's a it's, it's, it's a today. very uh, and I think it gets into like how uh, which, which which we're gonna screw this back to the book because I really do want to know like more about this. Uh, it, you know what people want. From your art, what people want your art to be, uh, what you want personally your art to be. Uh, and, and, that- and when
4: you do a Kickstarter, there is an expectation for you to deliver something specific. So when you don't have other people paying forward for your art, you don't have to deliver something that's on anyone's expectation right. but your own. So this also goes back to us being control freaks. <laughs> and as someone who owns the record label who owns, who puts out some of what we do yeah. – and as somebody who can create all the visuals for the band we get to control how and what we do yeah there the only people who can be disappointed is us because it's our dime for the most part unless it was negative fun for this time and again thank you chris yeah <laughs> but for the most part it's when it's our all of us investing in ourselves we only have us to be disappointed in if it doesn't work out we're not letting anybody else down we've made what we wanted to and that was what was really right. important to
0: and you, and you guys also both, like, do other stuff. So, so uh, and uh, I think this is an important thing, like, to tell maybe. This is now where you tell other musicians about this <laughs> specifically. Uh, and it's something we've talked about all year. But, like, how important is it, do you think, to understand that, like, this is really hard work? Just like everything, it's really hard work. You know how important it is to just be like, you know what, this is gonna, it is gonna suck that I can't do this all the time. But if I don't support it, I'm not gonna be able to do it at all. You think that's valid?
4: Yeah, I think that my day jobs affords me the opportunity to create. Right and and be the person on the inside that I want to be. So if it means I suffer for a whole five days a week for you know eight and a half hours or whatever, so be it. It means that we have the ability to own a home, have health insurance, and eat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, You know it. Have uh, partake in in local restaurants, support other artists, uh, have a record label. Um, it's it's given us the opportunity to, to give back to our community in charitable ways, whether it's uh, financial or, or time donations to the radio station. Right. I I've, I feel comfortable putting my nine to five in a, a normal work world because it it gets me all these other things. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing anymore at my age to to gamble to basically probably starve because your chances of of making it on some level where you can actually live off of your music is so small. Like yeah. the real SME me knows better. Beyond the obvious,
0: like why? We can all speculate here. Like,
3: why do you think that is? When you're younger, I just don't know any different. You're like. Your hopes and dreams have not been crushed by the realities of situations (laughs) yet. And I also think when you're young and you aren't familiar with the concept of financial success or whatever that means, or just having money, it's okay to just get by Mm -hmm. and... Maybe have
4: 20 people living in a small house. Yeah, Yeah. but
3: I think of, like, a... First of all, I don't think any band would tell you they're doing well. Even the people you think are doing well will probably still have some complaints about, like, their finances or whatever, unless they're in that 1% who are still, like, making so much money from playing live. And even then, you'll still hear, like, the complaints of...
0: Oh, and and, uh, and some of – there is a, a percentage of that. I don't – I'm not going to know the percentage of that, which is the expectation of uh, just Americans. Like, yeah. like man, I'll get rich someday. Yeah. Like, like the famous, like, grizzly bear thing. Like, oh, if I fucking like, do this, I only make this much. I'm like,
3: you make more than, uh, honestly, anybody in Danville. Totally. Um, so, so I think so, it's, yeah, what's your expectation? Right. From from doing this job that you hopefully thoroughly enjoy because I, I recall a a dismemberment plan interview where they talk about the finances are disclosed mm. like in the best year we ever had everybody made like twenty three thousand dollars a year and you're like wow that's like twelve dollar or whatever it is like that's a s- typically back back then back then yeah uh, uh, that I feel like the first salary I was ever awarded at a day job was something like that.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, <that's. laughs> so uh, I'm going to get with Casey from okay. the Future Music and We're going to put like typical wages and typical wages of what music is. Yeah. Man. And then everybody's going to have awkward conversations about what the fuck yeah. like everybody thinks like people should be made. I mean, it comes down to like what people think music, art, et cetera, is, is worth. And Absolutely. It's, and if it's worth more. And if it is, then...
4: And why does every other country on the planet subsidize art and offer grants? America does not. Well, America does offer grants, not 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 to the level. Oh, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the cats are going crazy. I feel
3: like the cat has a very, like, <laughs> like a thing to say about, like, our grant system. Yeah. Are you
4: secretly Canadian? Hey, no, that's a record label. A record
3: label. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Gus is on his 15th podcast in a row.
4: There are other countries that allow you to make being in a band your job. And, yeah, and yeah, We do sure. not have that kind of country. No. no but I also no. don't think things like when I was 22, health insurance, just the things like mortality isn't a real thing. And you haven't lost that many friends yet. You haven't lost family members. Yeah. So it's not until, you know, for me, I had two terminal little parents without health insurance and the debt. Related to the last couple of years of their life, and right. my mom had MS, and the medicine that she was taking was thousands of dollars every month, and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't going to cure her. It it barely it, it did not prolong her life in any meaningful way. She still died very quickly. Um, I mean, no normal person can afford to pay those kind of medical bills. Right. So we sold their house, we sold all their possessions, and that was just to cover the debt after they passed away. Yeah. So, I don't, you know, that reality check for me came in my 30s. It was like, "Oh, health insurance is really important." And then there was sort of like that, "How did my parents not have health insurance? What the fuck? That how do people, how do mature, responsible grown-ups live like that?" And unfortunately, lots of people do. Yeah. And for me, I was like, hmm. I could live the punk rock dream, but I don't know. Is being punk able, rock
0: not to have health insurance? Is yeah. That, is when, that, when
4: you see like, what. Fuck the man that
0: much. I like, mean, look, <laughs> but let's be clear. We're going into an election where there are yeah. no viable options. Everything sucks. Yeah. But.
4: Watching uh, how my parents suffered without real like money gives you better health care. Yeah. And even when I, I was hit by a car four years well, ago. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that because you were in a pretty bad accident. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was
4: have. crossing the street in, in Richmond on foot and was run over by a car and i just happened to not have have, have health insurance and i was hospitalized and my medical bills uh, after the fact it, i don't know it was like 60 grand or something and because i didn't have health insurance the doctors i was sent to were super sketchy and almost like a joke like you're in a waiting room waiting forever for some of the worst medical care I've ever received in my life and the sort of like healing uh, PT process afterwards was super, super sketchy and very half fast. And I mean, I was even I was released from the hospital and I couldn't walk and they didn't give like I didn't even have a proper like cane or cr- I mean, like, it was on so many levels a joke and i think about how different that experience would have been especially because i suffered a, a major brain injury right um not being able to see the best doctors and have consistent follow up care i mean i, I can't have, my life would have been very different and i would have healed probably much faster i mean it's 4 years later and i'm i'm just now being able to do the things that i used to do right and I'll, my brain will never quite be the same my vocabulary is very limited compared to what it used to be. And my writing is uh, not quite as articulate. I, I really struggle consistently to find words. But um, I don't, you know, money wouldn't bring my brain back. But I think I would have been able to more quickly arrive at how, what my health situation was than sort of this great mystery of sitting around in terrible waiting rooms to meet doctors who didn't really want to talk to me yeah. I mean, the whole situation was awful, and it was like, okay, well, that is life without healthcare. I I don't yeah I don't want to go there ever again.
0: Yeah, I I, I got we've talked about it uh, when we talked with uh, I don't know if you guys know Chad Clark from uh, Beauty Bill. I, I do not. I like the man, a man lot. though. lot. Uh, he's a fantastic. Man. <laughs> I do not if know if the you numbers. ever get the chance. Uh, and if Chad, you are listening, uh, hit up these guys. <laughs> you you'll enjoy them. Um, yeah, you know, he had a well-publicized thing, and then we talked about it. On this is like um, I actually did have health insurance when I got in that situation, and it was um, it was still very uh, jarring how you, you get into the system like that, and all of a sudden you're just almost like a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, moving through. Changed my perspective though.
4: Did you have a legal situation as well? I did not. I think that was the other uh, unfortunate part of the situation was I had a, I don't know, almost two year long legal thing that came out of this because uh, even though I didn't have health insurance because I drove a car, my car insurance was involved because a car hit me. And then discovering what the, the legal process is in the right. car insurance world. It became so muddy and gross and disheartening. So it wasn't just the doctor world that was depressing. It was what the legal system and what the, the car insurance world was right. about,
0: too. But so, how much of that went into Glossa? Uh,
2: this
0: is. In listening today, there's, there's more than a few mentions of cars.
4: Um, I think Via Florum. Is where my healing process was beginning because, um, I again, part of my brain injury is not being able to take certain frequencies. So, um, really home recording and, and being around loudness in general was really tough for the first year, and um, just certain guitar tones everything changed about how I heard sound. So via Florum, it was still very much discovering what my body could take. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I mean, there's almost like a weird uh, euphoric feeling that comes with surviving something that you, most people don't survive. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I miss death by inches. Yeah. Holy crap, I'm still alive. What am I going get to do first? And so as awful as it is. You also have that heightened awareness of life. So I think well,
0: it, it's weird, not to leave you out of the conversation here, Kenny, but like, yeah, I, I literally had a tumor in my heart. And it was oh like, I mean, you're going to die in two weeks, or you can. And, and actually, the anniversary is Tuesday when this will come out. Mazel tov. Um Whew. So we're just going to cheer. Yeah. Right, hold
4: on a moment. Cheer. Yeah. Me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is that weird, edgy. And that's why I mentioned Chad, because he, the same thing, is like, you have to have this, and, and and you know whether or not it was you got hit by a car, you got hit by a tumor, you got hit by a uh, cardiovascular cancer. Like, it's all, but, and it's interesting now. Most interesting to me to see how this drives other people's art and how it yeah. drives what they do and what you're willing to put into it. Like me personally, I, I mean, I do this. Yeah, I. I I legitimately do not like talking to people. We've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, oh god. It makes me uncomfortable because I have like a panic disorder. So, uh but me too. Yeah. It's it but at the same time it is so like utterly calming and more importantly, like more important than my discomfort. Uh which I feel is when you're doing art and making songs like that. You know, getting up in front of people can be awkward, you know, putting out, writing stuff down and being like, do you like this? Oh, no, 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 no. Like, can be fucking horrifying, even if you're, you know, 43 or 35, mm-hmm. like, you know, never let, never mind if you're 21, like, what the fuck? And when you're able to push through that and get to it, that I think that's when the good shit happens. Maybe.
4: Yeah, and, and music heals and is cathartic. And, you know, before any sort of awareness of mortality took over my life, music made me feel better. As that brooding, yeah. like, 13-year-old crying in my pillow. Those Smiths <laughs> records were the shit, you know?
3: yeah, I think, Sue, so, like, music is, like, our, our cure on a lot of... Um, I mean,
4: Kenny's also had a, a rough year and a half and a half Year and a half. yeah now. so
3: uh, i feel like we had started working on the demos for what became via flora when tracy got hit by the car hit the pause button started working on them and that became forming a band and i guess what it is now and so last summer i think we were a little over halfway done with what became glossa mm-hmm. and then i wake up w- wake up one day and like my right foot is sprained and like there's no rhyme or reason to this it's not like oh i took a bad spill last night your cat did it (laughs) Uh, well we we were actually out of town so we we cannot blame this on the kittens and so i kind of hobbled around on this sprained foot which turned into like pinched nerves and alignment issues so i mean we finished that record when we recorded glossa i stood up and recorded it and could barely stand while i was like playing those songs so um and willis who played drums with us um, from the start of the band through that album was like kind of done playing with us at that point so there's a frightening amount of emotion like wrapped up in those songs that i don't know when we were in new york i was talking to some old friends about it and like it's nice to close this book and maybe open another one, and hopefully there right. won't be a another like health related matter on the horizon at this yeah, point. Fuck. But yeah. I think we had for a band of our level, um, and the shows we did like twenty something shows over the course of like two months, which for most band is like a two week tour, but it took us two months of like going out of town every weekend and doing like some longer weeks in between, right. but like kind of like the gates opened up and like we were finally healthy enough to play these like shows the way like we probably should have been playing them the whole time. Just as Tracy was healing, I all of a sudden could barely even stand up. So, um, to
4: have both of us finally, because we're both very active on stage and mm -hmm. our, we have very physical performances. And I think for a stretch, neither one of us could deliver that to a hundred percent. So to finally, this fall and in the summer, being a place where both of us could give one hundred and ten percent.
0: Yeah, when when I saw you guys, deal. when I saw you guys at um, Bath of Republic, like it, what what was amazing is like you get the emotion, you get that release of emotion on the record uh, from not not it's it's an interesting interplay, and knowing you guys are a couple, like you can hear that, uh, but seeing you specifically, Tracy, like the, the delivery of the vocals there's just a little more live and it's just like it, it, it grounds it and it makes it like so fucking human. And so fuck, and it's just like, God damn, yeah. <laughs> like, this is fucking powerful. And, and you know, I was standing in the back next to a few people and
3: they're like, Whoa, Whoa what's, what's nice. So <laughs> like to start from the beginning of this podcast, when I was like saying that I never played in the type of band I wanted to play in for a long time. Like, This is like what you're talking about, like waiting to like find and who knew that I'd be able to like date them and fall in love with them. But like, (laughs) like this is what I've been looking for. Somebody who's like. Like they're so invested in this and like they're making other people like feel it like that's the type of thing that I'd always wanted and it just was like, well, I'd rather not do this than do it correctly like i want to do it correctly is right. what i'm saying not just like acid it. so it just like i feel very lucky and proud to like be in a band with tracy um oh, schmoopy <laughs> but i don't know like i've never played music where people are coming up after a show and this is like not to be like a back patter but like and they're telling her these things that like most people don't get to hear now especially because there's yeah. a barra like like that's the best thing i've seen all year or whatever guys like, cut it out I know, but <laughs> like it's true like i think about how many last night um a, a younger kid i i played with another band last night for like a one-off and one of the other bands was asking me while we were on tour if they're yeah, harlot I know, <laughs> yeah he has so much <laughs> such a cute little guy yeah. so much heart and so so many dreams to get crushed but he asked me while we were touring He was like, were there any bands you were like super stoked on? I was like, you yeah, know, there's nobody who you wouldn't already expect who are like moderately established bands that mm-hmm. we saw who we were excited about. And that's a fucking bummer. But at the same time, it's like we're older. Our ears are a little more numb to certain things it just kind of sucks. But I guess it's kind of telling of like what's going on right now, too, is there's just so much music
0: there's there's so much music but but also I think and I think it does come with age. There comes a point where uh um you just do your thing, man. And yeah. and, and you become less of a uh, you know, I, I will toot my own I I'm pretty good at shooting like live shit. I've shot a lot of of live shit. Yeah. Got shut down for two shows this week. And I'm like, that's really the only thing I ever want to do because it, it all blends into the same and it gets into. And so now for me, it's moving on to like stuff like this and moving on to doing other stuff. And you, um, but you know, um, you know, when you hit it and you know, when you land it and, uh, and I, I, you know I, I think you guys landed on Glossa I think the whole package and that and I think thanks I think you guys uh, need to come back because we didn't really talk about a lot <laughs> of, <laughs> I know uh, I know
3: I feel like we just talked. Like, what do we edit out of this podcast to talk about our record <laughs> yeah no, no, no but um but uh,
0: let's plug some shit right now let's go what do you guys want to plug here.
4: So on September 18th we put out a new record called Glossa. Yes. And it's on cassette, CD and in book form with a it's 28 pages full color. Each song was given the treatment where the lyrics were given its own book cover and nice. Kenny designed the the what would be in theory a book cover for that song. And the bookmark is a digital download. It is also on places like Spotify. If you just want to stream audio, um,
0: we are audio users. Yes. Ah,
4: <laughs> we have uh, via Forum, which was our debut EP. We had a Singles Club single on Negative Fun. Um, I think that's all of our our physical. Yeah, that was all product, the
3: positive right? no plugage. I guess we can yeah. plug other things too. If we shows wanted. coming up? Well, you no. can plug no.
0: You we, can plug whatever you want. What whatever the fuck
3: you Yeah, yeah no shows. I mean, we like we blasted through the fall tour. Yeah.
4: Our bass player Sadie just joins Shearwater. Saw that? Um, She, well, for touring sake. So she's touring the world. I like your band
0: better. (laughs) Me too. Good for Sadie, but. Sorry, she. They are so
4: lucky to have her. Yeah. Uh, So she is touring the world come, I think, February, which is just such an amazing score for her. It's just, I'm so excited for her to do, have her have the opportunity to do what. She's always wanted to do, which is to make music her right. full-time thing, and she gets to see the world, and people really love Shearwater, so all of these things are great. They have a new record coming out on Sub Pop. Um, I have a, a small record label called Little Black Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, we've put out some of the, the our stuff, um, my solo thing, which is called Ring Finger, um, now that I'm currently unemployed, I'm going to try to do some more ring finger stuff, mm-hmm. which is always a collaboration with a variety of people. Um You got a couple blogs, right? I do. I have Lightning Girl where what about I'm That a girl? I'm that too. Uh so Lightning Girl is where I've been writing a memoir of just what it's like to be a record collecting female. Yeah. And not just record collecting but insane music fanatic and how that comes to be and because of the, the scene, I grew up very near New York City. Um, some really unique opportunities um, introduced themselves to me through the late 80s and early 90s. So I've been writing a series of short stories about that there. And then I recently started At a Girl, which is just a blog spot. And that's um, a posted day about a different woman in the music industry. Right now, it's mostly just different bands that feature a a woman or maybe it's an all-girl band. And then um, I'll be slowly introducing interviews with women in the music industry or fellow DJs because I I know growing up in the music industry, there were not as many women in bands, but there were definitely not very many women in distribution, running record labels, um, creating magazines there were some photographers, but it was still mainly a male-dominated world. So there are lots of ways to be involved in music and in not be in a band. And I'd like to sort of highlight some of the women I've known and know and give them an opportunity to talk about how they got into it and maybe seem, make it less scary and intimidating for others who would like to get involved but don't know how. Uh, so that is a relatively new project. Um, what else do we do? (laughs) I think that's, that's the main thing. Um, we are big supporters of our local radio station, WRIR. Mm -hmm. I did a show there for five or six years on and off. Um, I I think that's probably the, the bulk of, of our Uh, world. Kenny does a lot of great graphic design stuff. For posters, mainly it's been us, but occasionally he'll do art stuff for other bands and, well, and local venues. I
0: will, uh, I will be hitting you guys up for all the links.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite record right now? Be like,
4: who me? Or yeah. You? Oh, but I who guess both fine?
3: of you. Yeah, I'm gonna ask some questions.
4: <laughs> oh man. Shit tables of turn uh, uh, yeah, no, hour man.
3: two you when checked we, in All yeah, right. yeah, well when we talk about plug you know what as, is as this what's fa- called a split single uh, maybe as, <laughs> as fans first I yeah. feel like it's important to share the love of like what do you think is fucking cool as shit and other people should hear that way they can take their boombox into the woods and drink beer <laughs> or their phone Damn. whatever
4: yeah, Kevin, Tracy, you go first. No, 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 no you should. No, you first. All
3: right, all right. Uh, and actually, this
0: is weird because this might end up on my top ten. Uh, there There's a band. Uh, they were in Raleigh, actually. I think they're in Nashville now. I have to check. They're a bunch of kids. Brothers called The Sweets. Uh, they approached us. It was the most ridiculous PR email. It wasn't a PR email because it was from them. But uh, they said we our, our goal is to make the most music ever in this year. I think it was 2014. And they did. They put out like fourteen fucking albums, and they were <laughs> no. So, so what? Uh, and Do they it, have
4: jobs? That's impressive.
0: Well, they're kids. So I think they're like twenty two. They could be wrong. Like so Jay, Jay. So if so i parents have jobs. Or
3: there no, could no, be like no, no, college no. They, they scholarships. They yeah, out. they, they, they are right.
0: So, so uh, and um, this was uh, this will mirror discussion that Daria and I had earlier. Is they just put up an album after all these names and, and all the album covers by the way, were like bur- burlesque photos or, you know, I mean, they knew their market and, yeah. and, and, uh, and they put out an album, uh, self-titled called the Sweets. that we're going to be playing, not on this one, but another, uh, uh episode of the podcast, a uh, track off that. And. goddamn, if it isn't. And part of this is just because I've seen them develop, but the but putting out 14 albums, in, in quotes, like you like you could see them trying this, trying this, trying this, trying this. And it was so fearless that they just fucking put it out. And they were like, we don't care. We aren't yeah. making money. We don't have to spend the money on the f- studio. We're, we have figured this out. We have these. like And then all of a sudden you have an album that they did spend a little money on. And now it's sort of like,
1: Whoa!
0: <laughs> like this is like, and it, it's not. It's not perfect, and it's not. Um, it's not. Uh, necessary cohesive, polished or anything. But in many, in that way, it is sort of perfect for them. But that that is actually what I that and um, No Berman and all Louis collective
4: fourteen. Like, is there one of those no, no, fourteen? No, it's that- it's
0: their their album so- right now, The Sweets. Okay. It, the Sweets by The Sweets. Okay. Um, and Noah Berman and Louis Weeks uh, just put on um, – Louis Weeks put out a fantastic album called ha Haha. If you haven't heard – if you guys haven't heard him, you need to check him out. But this is like 80s sci-fi soundtrack. If you've seen the mar- movie uh, Miracle Mile, like it mm-hmm. just – it's Tangerine Dream. Like it's oh, just, yes. And and I literally have listened to that on repeat like for hours. It's about like 35, 36 it, – something long, and I just keep listening to it, so – Tracy?
3: Hell yeah.
4: Gosh, what would be my favorite? Um, And I keep, because of my brain injury, I'm not great at recall. So I have a Spotify playlist. And every time I really like a record, I just put it in this folder called 2015 Favorites. And it may not necessarily make it to my top 10. So there's probably like, I don't know, 30 some records there. But I feel like Trash Kits, probably the record I listen to the most. Yes. And they share one member to shopping is that right
3: yeah there's there's this whole so we're on like uk like
4: we are uk obsessive enthusiast. sort yeah.
3: of like Anglophiles. so there's like this this weird family tree of bands that are just all i think rising to the top for us so she said trash kit shopping who are playing here with priests. They are. Um, soon. we will be at that show. It's my
4: birthday. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you it's should birthday. come hang out. Yeah, come hang
3: out. What if I don't like priests? Should I still come? Yes. <gasps> okay. Shopping. Yeah, we'll listen to shopping, and you can make your mind up. All right. I, uh, I like shopping. Actually, I heard the records. Yeah. That's great. So... Sh- trying to think so the band sauna youth is also part of that world
4: yeah huge we are both big fans of that yes
3: sauna like a sauna a sauna sauna one would chill in after the gym (laughs) um uh, primitive parts is another band in that world those are like the collective sort of they're all like it's very like young snotty like moderately aggressive kind of sloppy um
0: it's sort of like shopping at least is sort of mod like almost synth punk
3: Mm -hmm. they're very they're very very angular post punky i think we both
4: tend to have a thing of post punk stuff too um
3: but the other stuff is a little more rooted in what one might call like a lo fi sort of um, approach. Did
0: <laughs> one say a bedroom recording? Yeah.
3: Not. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is like growing up, like, lo fi meant like um, the Silver Jews or like Sebado, that was in fact a tape recorder. Yeah. And now it's just like, this recording doesn't sound as great as other recordings. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: And on that note, fuck Mac Demarco. Uh,
3: oh. Thank you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So get it, Mac.
0: Once again, thank you guys for coming up. Uh, thank you so much for having co- us. Come back soon. Come back often. Oh, yeah. uh, bring PJ with you next yeah, time. We'll bring
3: him along. Mm-hmm. We'll Speaking of captured tracks bands, we saw Dive last night. Did you?
4: A lot of hats and pajamas. Oh, my, soft they clothes. were like wearing
3: pajamas on stage, and you may think this is a diss, but I was like. Could we get away with wearing pajamas <laughs> on stage? Because that looks super cozy.
4: They look comfortable. Yeah. I will give them On that. the
0: next podcast, <laughs> positive no in pajamas. <laughs> yeah. We're
3: all wearing them right now, but you would never know that. I'm not wearing pants. Uh, <laughs>
4: all
3: right. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank
4: you. you.
0: I believe I promised a super awesome discussion with some super awesome people up front, and I believe I delivered. Uh, that was Tracy and Kenneth, uh, two astounding people to get to know, uh, hanging out in, in our basement. They are positive, no. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I know we did. Had a few, had a few beverages, some fine uh, Looking Hole Creek, I believe his name the brewery. Uh, coming up from Richmond, they brought up some beers uh, there. Uh, thanks again to them for coming up. Um, it, was, it was just a, a great way to spend a nice little Saturday afternoon, uh, getting to know some new friends, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll be back soon. But I think uh, I think you heard it at the end. We could have gone another hour. We started veering off into other stuff, and uh, that's always fun when we do that. But. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if we want to do a decalogue here of, of podcasts. where We tune in for 20 hours. Although, maybe if you want to do that, uh, we're on a contest or something. Who knows? Uh, thanks again for them coming up. Uh, all the links are going to be in the show notes so you can find out everything you need to know about Positive No, everything you need to know about Tracy's record label, Little Black Cloud. Uh, her, their new album, Glossa, which I'm not sure if it, the book is still available, but if it is, uh, get it or uh, get it. Get their music, however you can get it, uh, to bring it into your life. It will make your life better. Uh, if they come to your town, see them live. I saw them at Bathdale Republic, and they were amazing. Um, and uh, you know, go up and say hi to them because, like I said, they're super nice people. Pretty sure they'd love to talk. Uh, also, coincidentally. This is coming out on Tuesday. It's Tracy's birthday. So, uh, you know, if you listen to this and you talk to her that night, say happy birthday. I'm saying happy birthday now. Uh, yeah. So there you go. At the end of every podcast, we try to play a song. And sometimes that song is a local act. Sometimes it's just a, a song that uh, I think you should hear. Uh, like Last week, I believe, we did one by the Sweets, which you heard us talk about just a few minutes ago. Um, this week, uh, I decided to ask Tracy... I said, hey, why don't you pick a song? So she did. So uh, the song we're going to play for you right now is a band by the name of Dynamic Truths. The name of the song is You Take It All. It is actually out on her label, Little Black Cloud, uh, from Richmond, Virginia, and it sounds exactly like Richmond, Virginia in the best way. So here you go Dynamic Truths, You Take It All. That is The Rock, if ever there was The Rock. Um, thanks, Tracy, for picking that out. That is about our podcast for this week. Uh, we are racing towards the end of the year. Uh, and the week's coming up. Uh, we only have a few left, actually, but we got some really good ones uh, next week. We're going to be hearing from one Phil Cook, his album Southland Mission. Uh, you can go back a few episodes uh, where to listen to us get drunk and, uh, and just effuse uh, or praise all over that album uh, so he's going to be stopping by uh, to talk about that uh, and, and sort of a, a career in music looking forward to that taping actually action that tomorrow or today if you listen to it on Tuesday uh, he's in town with His Cold and Messenger, so go see them t- tonight at Rock and Roll Hotel time is weird with podcasts um, and then the next week after that uh, we're going to be talking to Nick Sanborn again be good to catch up with him. He's got a new album, a solo album out outside of uh, Sylvanesso called Made of Oak. Uh, so that's going to be coming out. Uh, we're going to be doing a John Williams podcast to get in on all the Star Wars hype. Also because we're giant nerds, and I, uh, and I love John Williams. Let's do does ball, and there's a lot of people uh, because he, he makes some damn fine soundtracks. And then after that, we are at the best of. So we're going to do a best of the year, uh, best of D.C., It's going to be awesome. Then we're going to take a break. Uh, Hopefully you'll stick with us through all of this and then into the new year. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, You can actually, uh, you know, share your feels with us. Uh, You know, you can just email me if if you want to share that. Uh, You can text if you want. Uh, I, you know, I'm a sensitive guy. I like little, little e-hugs and whatnot. Uh, But if you want to do it more commercially, Uh, You can write us a review. You can uh, give us stars in the iTunes store. I guess that's how they do it. Uh, If you want to write like a 5,000-word review of our podcast, I will buy you two tickets to whatever show you want to go to. That's out there now. Uh, Secret, though, because you have to listen to the podcast to get to this to figure that out. Um, But uh, if that happens one day, uh, you'll be going to the show. But neither here nor there. Uh, You can download us on your uh, choice of podcatchers downcast is a good one I, I use the itunes one myself um and uh, you can listen to us on stitcher we are everywhere we are you know the podcast that supports the 23rd most influential music blog in the world and uh and man this is a fun fucking thing to do and i'm so glad this podcast right here that you just listened to is out because uh, it's great so that's it that's our podcast we will talk to you in a few short days uh, as always be good to your ears But be very, very good to your people. Uh, We'll talk to you
2: soon.
3: no
1: <laughs> oh. 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 Kenobi!